0: Hey, welcome to Mix in America. Joining me today is a guest. Her name is Fina. She is um, a student actually at the high school that I went to way back in the day. Met her doing a video for the church. Uh, her and a few students did a video about Black History Month. That was just really cool. And I was really impressed with, with what they had to say in the conversations that we had. So I invited Fina on here on Mix in America to talk a little bit, um, kind of what we talked about in that video, but the conversation we had Really, even before we started shooting, I just thought she had a great story and a great perspective on stuff. So, Fina, first of all, if you want to introduce yourself, say hello, and then just kind of tell us your story, where you're from.
1: Okay. Hi, I'm Fina. I'm a sophomore at Maranatha. Um, I'm from Brooklyn Park, but my parents are Liberian. They're from Liberia, which is in West Africa. Um, But when I was younger, I moved to South Dakota, which is dominantly Native American and white. So I grew up around, well, a lot of Liberians, other African Americans, and then Native people and white Americans. So I have known a lot of different people from different backgrounds and stuff. And kind of growing up, I was always like forced with that stereotypical black girl where it was like either she's really loud and ghetto or she's strong and she can take anything on. So even though like when I was younger, I was really quiet. I didn't talk until like freshman year of high school. Um, I would always have that push on me. So I kind of grew up thinking, okay, it's either I'm that or I'm not that. So I had to kind of find out like, okay, what does God say I am? And like find my identity through that.
0: Yeah, that's good. Let's talk. Can we talk about that? The stereotype mm-hmm. of a black woman? Because even the there's obviously the angry black woman, right? That the stereotypes that people say, but even just the strong black woman, even that I feel like can be a negative, right? Like, because you're expected to take everything, right?
1: Mm -hmm. So like, it was hard because when I'm a very emotional person, so it's like, they'll say, oh, she can do all things. But it's like, yes, naturally African-Americans, they are stronger. Black people in general were naturally Physically stronger, but it's like mentally, everybody's at the same state, especially if I'm seven years old. You know, I'm not going to be mentally smarter or mentally stronger than another seven year old. So it was like, okay, she's stronger. She can take on more things. If she gets in trouble, she's going to react more mature than another person. So it was like, I have that, but then I'm emotional. I express my emotions a lot. So anytime I would express my emotions, they would say, Hey, hey, don't get angry. But it's like, no, I'm not angry. I just want to say my side. Yeah. Or when I would like naturally pat my head because it's like that's something I grew up doing. And then they'll be like, or if I like clap or snap and stuff, or get a little louder, or like change up an accent, it'll be like, Oh my gosh, she's ghetto or she's ratchet. But it's like at nine years old, how am I supposed to know what ghetto and ratchet is? And like how am I supposed to know that doing this or clapping when I talk or laughing loud or talking loud is ghetto or ratchet, you know?
0: So how have you navigated this stuff just talking to you you're you're so young like I didn't didn't I really didn't think about a lot of that stuff honestly when I was Mm -hmm. in high school in that age how have you had to maybe grow up earlier because of that kind of stuff and maybe even what you've seen um, on the news you know recent in recent America there's been a lot more um, racial tensions conversations obviously you know black people getting shot by police experiencing that at your age how have you handled all of that I suppose
1: well it's it's hard because it's like I am a human being I'm just like anybody else so it's like having to realize that just like how certain teachers teach me uh treated me or like certain adults treated me differently like you know adultification where I would seem and I would be perceived as more mature than another white peer even if they're five months older than me six months older than me a year older than me I wouldn't actually be perceived older so it was like I had to feel like Oh, I have to do more than them because it's like I want to be seen the same as them. So if I lack one time, it's like, oh, I'm going to get in trouble. And I had a, I felt that a lot. Oh, I'm not going to get the same opportunities as them. So I realized, okay, I can't lack. I have to be nicer than them. If they hurt me, I can't hurt them back. I can't, you know, do the same petty stuff that they do because it's like, I don't want to be perceived as that. Because if I do one bad thing, I'm going to be that forever. But if they do bad things, it's they're learning. And then also seeing other people because I have one brother, but all my cousins who are like my brothers are all guys, obviously, because they're like my brothers. So it's like, I had to see and I had to realize they're always going to be a target in America. They're black in America. They're always going to be a target. So I have to take on that taking care role all of them, where I'd be like, okay, don't stay out too late, or don't talk to this person rudely, because I'm not, like, I can see, obviously, so it's like, I, I, when I watch the news, or hear the news, so my grandparents, they watch the news all the time, my parents, they watch the news all the time, so I have to see, okay, I'm a threat, no matter what I do, I can walk and smile at somebody, and I'm a threat, so it's like, I have to always know and always be aware I will be a threat, even if I don't think I am or don't want to be. So I just have to do do better, do more actions, which will be natural because, of course, as a Christian, you know, you're supposed to naturally be kind, do the right thing. So, But it does get annoying because it's like I'm still a kid. I'm still learning from my mistakes. It should not be cut short because I'm getting shot or because I'm going to jail because I made the same mistake as a peer who is not a minority, a minority like me.
0: Yeah. One of the things that I'm really hearing from you that I want that I'm trying to help convey or, or t- when I talk to people, conversations I have mm-hmm. is, you know, somebody honestly listening to you right now, who's white from the suburbs and never experienced this might think you're overreacting. And to me, to them, I want to say like, whether you think this is true or not, if that's how you feel, if you're a high school girl and you're, and you think this way, like, I got to be perfect. I got to look out for my brother and my cousins. And, and that's on your mind a lot. That's, that's reality, right? Even mm-hmm. if that's how you see it. That's reality. And that's, that's a lot to bear for someone as young as you, I mean, for anyone, but especially when you're still a teenager. So I want to, sorry, is there something else? No, no, no. <laughs> I just want to talk a little bit about one of the things we talked about, um, the other day when we shot this video, it was a while back now, but um, you talked about you, your parents immigrated from immigrated here from Liberia. You were born here, but you have cousins that were born in Liberia and came over here. How was that uh, navigating? I guess uh, you're not an immigrant you were born here, but your family, a lot of your family wasn't. Um, I guess some of those conversations, what was that like kind of your experience, I guess, being born here, but a child of immigrants and and family, Who's immigrated here? Does that make sense?
1: Yes, it does. Um, well, I would see, like if I were to do something bad, like let's say I would took a candy from a store, I wouldn't get as in much trouble as them. Like my parents and my aunts and uncles, they would talk to them and be like, Hey, don't do this because anything that happens, they they'll look at you as you're not American, even though you are American, you know, you're still, but like um you've been here for a long time, they look at you like, okay, you can get sent back anytime. You flunk in school, they're going to look at you as that. anything you do bad, they're looking at you as, okay, you can get deported. But it's like me, where will I get deported to? This is where I'm from, right here in Minnesota. So it's like seeing that it's hard because even if they came here when they were six months old it's like there's still that mentality that they're liberian even if they become um a citizen of america there's still that background of okay well you came here on a visa or on a green card or on this you're not fully american and it's like okay but isn't american isn't america made of immigrants like you know nobody is from america unless they're native american so it's like it was really it's like weird seeing that because it's like they want them to do harder, do more, do more, do more because they're not from here. And then me, even though I do have to do harder and they do push me to do harder, they push them to do more steps harder, more to do more because of where they were born and how they weren't born here. Even they came here one week old, you know.
0: Yeah. So what one thing I don't I don't remember if we talked about this or not the other day, but um, one thing that's always been an interesting conversation with people is is being black versus being African. Right. Yes. You're born in America, but obviously you're African I mean, your parents came here. Both came here from Africa. Have you had, I guess, conversations or interactions with people about maybe having to explain how African you are versus how black, even the term African-American, I always think is a little bit weird. Cause it's like, mm-hmm. you know, my mom's African-American, I'm African-American, but my mom's never been to Africa. Her mom's never been to Africa. Her mom's never been to Africa. Like, but to mm-hmm. still qualify me as African-American versus just American.
1: Yeah. Um, I see that a lot, even like nowadays, I'll see people saying, no, I'm not African-American, I'm black American. But what people don't understand is that there is a difference from African-American and black American. Now, if I see a Jamaican, I would say in their American, like let's say first generation um, Jamaican, second generation, they would go more by Black American because they're not from the continent of Africa. Now, for me, for the longest time, I didn't look at myself as African American. I looked at myself as oh, I'm African or I'm African because I grew up in just like a straight African or African home. So I'd say well, I'm African American. I'm African. So I learned okay, I am African American, and people would be like, "Oh, but you're not from Liberia," and I'm like. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So I would tell people because people be like, no, you're not African American, you're black American, or you're just American. And it's like, no, that is a piece of me that I want to hold my African descent. That is something that is in me forever. It's going to be my kids and my great kid, great kid, great grandkids. It's going to be down my line forever. African, my African descent, my Liberian descent. So it's like, I would tell people like who come from slave descent. If they claim that they're African-American, I would never say, no, you're not. No, you're not. Because that is a piece of them that they had to hold, that they have to hold. You know, it's something that like they need to hold. They want to hold. So it's like, I would say, yes, you are an African-American. Your descent, if you go a little bit further from the continent of Africa. You know, it's like they it's sad to see like they don't get that experience of knowing where they're from, whether they're from this part of Africa or this part of Africa. And it's like I always feel lucky knowing that, OK, I can say I'm African-American, but I can say I'm Liberian-American. You know, I know exactly where I come from. If I go to Africa, I know where I'm staying. I know like where to go, where to like I know the inside, not just like the, you know, the outside view of it. I know the inside because that's where that's how I was raised. So it's like. I would say that you're African-American. If you came up to me and you said, I'm African-American, you know, even though my grandma, my great-grandma, my great-great-grandma, they've never been to Africa, I would say, okay, that makes sense. Because, you know, somewhere in that descent, it's from Africa, you know? You were of slave descent. You're of African descent.
0: Yeah. No, I was going to actually ask you what it's like or how much do you celebrate your African heritage and you, and like embrace that. I know you said you were raised, I mean, your parents came from Africa. So you're raised in basically an African home. It may have been in yeah. America, but that was the culture that you were raised in for, for me, uh, knowing I've actually been to the plantation where my ancestors were slaves in Missouri. It got destroyed in a flood, but I've been, I, like, as a kid, that was our family farm and we used to go play there yeah. as kids. So like, I know, my, I know my family's heritage here in America. I have no idea where my ancestors would be from, from America or how long ago they came over. And a lot of black Americans don't know their African heritage because it was taken from them in, in the slave trade. Right. So how much, and you talked about even, you know, if you, you know, marry someone who's not Liberian and your kids end up being, you know, no matter how further removed they are from Liberia, you still, they'll still have that, Culture, right? So, how have you what has that been like kind of being raised in an African home here in America and really knowing how much have you embraced your culture, your heritage of Liberia?
1: I, since like the day I was born, I embraced it. I know how to cook all the foods, you know, I know exactly what tribe I'm from. I like, if my mom is speaking in like her tribe's language, I'll understand like more than half of it. Like I'll like hear one word of like, I was just talking about this, you know, I know the dances, I know the songs, I know all the tribes, I know history of tribes, um, all of that, I know the clothing, everything that you can basically say. Like you know I've never been, I've never like had a foot on Liberia's land, but it's like, if you were to come and say, oh, this was a president, oh, this is a politician, oh, this is what's happening current, i am be like, yeah, I know, you know, because I have family there. My mom's right, like, she came from there. She told me all of her struggling times. So it's like, I'm happy that she never just dropped it. You know, that's still something yeah. in me. Like, she'll say, don't forget, like, I'm African. I'll be like, yeah, 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 I know, like, since the day I was born. You know, and it's like she said, oh, I would have taught you the language, you know, so you can know more about it. But then my parents are from different tribes. so Of course, like the language. So I'll be like learning three languages. But if I would sit down with anybody from like both of the tribes, I understand. If I hear like another tribe that I'm not obviously speaking, I would be like, oh, that's this tribe," You know, so I know it to an extent where it's like, oh, maybe she could be born uh, in Liberia. I can speak like the dialect because like it's like an accent, obviously, called, like, broken English or full Like I can speak that. I can understand that. You know, I know, like, the different words switches. Like, I know all of that. So, it's like, some people would be like, oh, was she really from there? But I'm like, no. I wish. But, you know, I was born here, which is, like, great. I'm grateful for that. I like that, too. So, I like that I know both of the cultures of, like, African-American culture, American culture, and Liberian culture.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. Like, I, I think that's so cool. Again, saying, like, someone who doesn't know I just don't know. I mean, I, I'm OK. I've embraced, you know, my American mm-hmm. heritage and my family and, and and all of that. But but now I, I don't know. I have no idea where in Africa my ancestors may have came from or, or any of that tribal stuff. So I think that's so cool that you can fully embrace that and understand that and celebrate that. I mean, it's no different than, you know plenty of people live in america are from italian descent or mexican descent or or irish descent and they'll still fly that country's flag or cheer for them in the world cup or whatever that looks like you know so that's cool that you that you have that and that you hold on to that and that you plan on passing that on to further generations i just think that's really cool
1: thank you Um, i feel like people don't understand that like even if you come from slave descent i would like you still like it's like you still celebrate that because it's like still like a own thing. Like they made their yeah. own stuff. They made their own way. So it's like even like when I hear like some of my friends talking about, oh I don't have like a culture. I'm just from slave descent. And then they will tell me more about their like about what their greats went through. And I'm like, okay, that's still like super cool. Like you still have like that like set of basis and how you grew from that. So it's like
0: Yeah. And that's just something that I've probably embraced more so in the last few years. But really that idea of like I, because I'm only half black, like I've kind of lived with that idea of and I'm telling you more than you probably even want to know, but I've, I''ve I've always kind of lived with that like I'm not that black, but when you think about it, like what my ancestors went through, like my ancestors went through all that. like that struggle that mm-hmm. we talk about with with from slavery to civil rights to even what what we're going through now, like that's in my blood. like that's something that that I'm proud that my that my ancestors overcame that. Um, and we're able to really keep the lineage alive and to even have me. Um, that, that is a really cool perspective to have. Um, and the fact that you have that at, you said you were 15. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that you even have any of this understanding just, just absolutely amazes me. Um, I do want to ask you about your parents coming over here. And I don't know how much you've talked to them about that. It sounds like you guys have had some pretty good discussions about what yeah. Liberia was like when they came here or whatever, but Um, can you tell me a little bit about their journey? Like, did they know each other before they came here? You said they were from different tribes. Did they meet here? Mm -hmm. And then what, do you know, what exactly brought them over, what that transition was like
1: for them? Okay. Well, they didn't know each other at first. Like my dad was here before my mom was. Um, so when my dad came, they, he, I went to Oklahoma where he like studied like ministry and stuff. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So he had came on like a full, like, like, uh, as like an American citizen, like he didn't have to go through the whole like green card and this and that he had came being like an American citizen and his mom was here before him, like a little bit before him. And she was in Minnesota here. So for him, it was a bit easier because he had had like his college and stuff. Um, he had had like, he had known more English, like he could like Easily communicate with American people who spoke just English, and he like knew his way around more. And then he was in Oklahoma. Now when my mom came over, it was 2000 because she was pregnant with my older sister. And for her, she never went to a good school. She was like, she was a child of one night stand, so like she never knew her father. Her mother was younger, so she, they weren't really rich. So she would have to. She was in foster care, and she would have to like just clean for her foster parents so like if you ask how my mother she has she has like 10 different moms so it's like i call like 11 different people grandma <laughs> um so for her it was harder for her she didn't go to school like, she didn't go to a proper school her school is miles away so she would have to walk every morning to her school and like her english was so so bad like if she like her she said milk like milk 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 <laughs> so it was like really bad english um She wasn't smart, so she had, like, 10 siblings. So, and all she did, like, she would have... She graduated high school, but during that, it was super hard for her because she just, like... She always said that education is the key to success. Education is the key to everything. So, she would have to basically take care of like other people's families. And she even, she hates stealing, but like she was like, as like when I was younger, I had to like steal for my siblings. But like now if you ask, like she absolutely hates it. She feels like nobody should ever have to like steal for food. But like at the time she was like, that's how I had to get food. That's how I'd have to get my siblings to like go to school by, like, having to steal for her food or having to meet all these people and get money from them. So, like, um, all of her siblings, well, her siblings can have light and stuff. So she came here with her as her aunt, being her mom, um, when she was, I don't even know, like, nineteen twenty, And she had to come here or in... 2000 and she came to Oklahoma and her English was still like terrible she wasn't the smartest she graduated high school but she didn't have a great education because of how like low-funded her school was and then she had met my dad when like my oldest sister was two and it was hard because my dad is obviously he's a bit darker than me my mom is mulatto so she's mixed with Lebanese and Liberian and my dad is straight Liberian so um he's darker and my older sister she's has more like Lebanese in her so she has a uh, more brighter skin tone. And like my dad adopted my older sister when they would, people would see him and he still has like an accent, but like, it's like covered. So you can tell he's not from America. Like you can tell he's from somewhere in Africa. Now see him with my older sister who like was two but she spoke good English cause she's born here. And people would automatically think, oh, it's a kidnapping because he's black and, could, and then cause he's African. So they would call him all these names and stuff. And then they would have to fight through that. And my mom, she still like was learning her English, trying to get like day moved to Minnesota eventually after they had my brother and then I mean my sister. So um, so my mom, I was still around all like we were still around all these Iberian people. My mom still like all of her family was over there. So she would always talk to them, talk in um her language, talk in her dialect. So I grew up knowing that. It's like tell me experiences, tell me things that had happened in Africa. Um, When she was, like, a teen, that's when, like, this big war came, where, like, the American people came over there, and, like, they started a war with all the tribes and stuff, because one tribe wanted to be the main tribe, and you know how that goes, and so they went through, like, a Liberian war, and they went through, um, like, having the, because, you know, during 19, I forgot what year, I always remember, I forgot this time, like, the, uh, um, what's it called? President Monroe, he brought in, like, uh, American slaves who were African. He brought them in. There's, like, a whole tribe for them. So it was, like, going through all of them. My mom obviously knew people from there. My dad's father was actually, like, raised by them. He wasn't raised with his father. Like, he was raised by them. And that's how I got my last name Davies because it's a more – it was from, like, a slave's last name. So it was, like, I got – so when I got older and, like, I think I was in eighth grade, I would ask them – okay, how did, like, these, how did this tribe, like, function? Because my dad knew some stuff, but I didn't know my dad at the time. So, like, when he was with my mom, so I would ask her. And um, she would, like, tell me, like, oh, from what your father. And, like, his mom would tell me, like, this is how this tribe was. You know, this is, like, he wasn't born. He wasn't to save himself, but he was raised by them. So she would tell me that. She would tell me stuff about, like, the different tribes. And she basically just tell me, like, everything about Liberia. And I would talk to like my aunts and my uncles and my cousins from there. And like she would tell me all that. So I would always feel like I had that, that like I was like from there, you know, because of all the stories I would hear. Fun, um overhearing her, like her conversations where I would hear from that. And like, she would tell me how hard it was and how like, she would always tell us, you need to focus in school, you need to do good in school because in Africa, I wish I had this opportunity, you know? Like, I wish I had this chance to go to a good school, to learn good English, to have good opportunities, to be better in life. So it was like, so was like seeing like how you hear and you watch movies and see on the news, like, oh, this person, like, this is how they do. They can't go to school. But it's like when you see somebody who actually went through stuff like that, It's it takes a different impact on you. Because they can tell you, okay, this is how I actually functioned with a terrible school. No lights in my school. Didn't get lunch. Like the teachers, they would, if they for their lunch break, they would leave. They would have 30 minutes of school on lunch. Don't come back for the whole day. There would be no lights in the building. It was like really bad. And now not all Liberia is like that. But if it's like, if it's, you're at a rundown place, just like America, if you're in a more rundown neighborhood, you're going to go to a school like that, where it's like barely any lights, it's not functioning. So she would like basically just tell me how, how like you, how like people that struggled were in Liberia and how people who didn't struggle were in Liberia. And they couldn't like compare that to like how people like struggle in America and how people don't struggle in America. And she says it's pretty similar, but it's still different because it's like, um, America and Liberia, they are really close in contact. Like you see, if you see anything, it's like really close in contact. So
0: what, what, that's really cool. And I love that the way that you've embraced it and and heard these stories and, and know your history, your family's history so well, what, what is something that, what did that do for you or instill to you um, just maybe through your blood, the genetics of of what your parents had to overcome, your mom specifically. But then, what lessons has she taught you? Like, maybe, you know, she talked about the value of education and and you know, making the most of these opportunities. Is that something that was that was instilled instilled into you at a young age?
1: Yes, because like I would hear how she does stuff. She's always had to. I have three other siblings, and then she also take care of like all of my dad's nephew and nieces, and then some of her nephew and nieces. When she would bring in her little siblings, she would take care of them. So it was like she didn't have the best education, so she had to work. She didn't have like high-paying jobs. She had to basically work her way up. And like even till this day, she still has like two to three jobs and like works all day long. So she would basically show us like when her siblings come, she would put them into a school. She would do this for them. She um she like made her way so that me, my siblings, and my cousins can go to good schools. Because I would see, like, she would be like, You guys don't want to work like these jobs. She would come home like. The wee hours of the night not get any sleep because she would have to get us ready for school, make us lunch, make us breakfast, make us dinner, and then she would have to work, and then she wouldn't hang out with her friends, she wouldn't do anything. And like I would hear her overnight, like I'll hear her conversations or she I would hear her telling us like how like how um if you would pay attention to school, go to a good college, have at least a decent job, or even just have a decent job if you don't go to college um how it would pay off for you because you wouldn't have to do this. You can have a good life where you wouldn't have to work 18 hours a day and how um, you wouldn't have to do this, how you can have good sleep, how you could function your personal life, your professional life and all type of stuff without having to like struggle harder. So it was like something that she had always told us and like I would see how she would communicate with people and how she basically had to te- ta- teach herself. Like she had to teach herself better English, teach herself how to do math while teaching us. So it's like, as we were learning as kids, she was also learning. Like she was basically also like doing our homework with us because she's also learning as we're learning, so.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. Um, that's so cool. I do want to shift gears a little bit. We um we met because of the Black History Month committee that you do at Maranatha, um, and I went to Maranatha. I graduated in 2004, so a long time ago. um, You were barely alive, I think, in 2004. I oh, wasn't. You weren't even alive in 2004. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I graduated <laughs> before you were even alive. Now we've established that I'm old. Um, but we didn't have that at Maranatha when I was there. Uh, I don't think it was for lack of, like, they didn't want anything like that. It's just there was really nobody taking initiative, or there was nothing. You know, we didn't even have the diversity at Maranatha um, that you guys have now. Uh, what is that? Black History Month committee um, that you guys meet? What does that look like? I don't know if you know where it came from or um, what. what is that committee? I guess maybe explain that to me a little bit or to people that might be listening What what that committee is and what you guys do.
1: Okay, so Maranatha's Black History Student Committee, it's a bunch of us and it's not only black people. Like a lot of people would ask, oh, is it only black students? No, we're diverse. We have African-Americans, we have whites, we have Asians, we have um Hispanics, we have it all. And we just talk about how Black history has uh, impacted us. And we even go a step further talking about all races and how that's like how minorities are impacted, how um, like the questions that white Americans would have or that or how, what they experience too, like just what everybody experiences. But we mostly hit on um, Black American or Black America. And it had started because last year, our seniors last year, they were very diverse and they were very outspoken and they um, they made a proposal where they, for Black History Month, so for February, they had this big chapel where they would do, um, they had, what's it called, they had like poetry. They taught us so much last year. It was really fun. We had different types of music, all of that type of stuff. Um, and they were very outspoken about it. Of course, it was not a full committee. And when Mr. Thomas came in, our Dean of Students, he also pushed that too. So they pushed for that so that this year we can actually be an actual committee and that we can actually educate. So that now they left and they like would tell some of us like, okay, this is gonna go down next year. You need to make this up. Like you need to make that happen. So then we had came together with like that, but Mr. Thomas and Mr. Ayler who was like our librarian. Um, and he they had basically opened a way for us to educate every student and to educate even teachers because a lot of teachers I like talk to a teacher and they're like, I had no idea because that's not something that we're taught in school, you know, people want to hide away or like color the dark truth, so we came together and we had a big chapel. It was like an hour and 30 minutes in February where we were basically just educating our peers and our teachers and our classmates about what goes on and what has always been going on and even what's going on now um, and where we are at. Now people aren't going to just understand automatically because that's not something that is like that's It's impossible. You're not going to just understand something that's been happening for years and years the first time you hear it. So we would meet on every Monday and some Fridays, and we would talk about um, different things going on in the black community and how it impacts us. And even different things going on in the Asian communities or in the white communities or in the Hispanic communities, just any community. Um, and how we as a generation we as a school can impact others and we have impacted others like you know other schools have seen this and they've reached out saying I really want to do this so it's like we're impacting everybody we're also throwing in that Christian world's view with it so it makes everything even better because it's like we're all the same we're all equal in God's eyes but he clearly made us different skin complexions different race is different this for a reason. So it's like we need to understand, okay, how can we all work in God's power, like in God's favor, in God's glory, while not looking the same.
0: That's good. I love that. I love, I I love all that. I love that the they're even doing the initiative. I love the diversity aspect that it's not just all the black students get together to do their own thing, but the diversity aspect of, of different students. Um, I want to ask, Maybe this is a tough question and maybe this is not that you're going to be able to figure everything out or answer or solve all of America's racism problems in, in this conversation right here. But um, you talked about even educating teachers and, and, and administrators and staff members like this is something this isn't new, right? Maybe racial tensions have, have heated up a lot more in the last few years, especially local here after the death of George Floyd. But what what can maybe your generation do different that even my generation didn't do uh, my parents generation didn't do um what is something and maybe this is too loaded of a question and you got to think about it for a second but what is something that that your generation can do differently
1: i feel like my generation we do do a lot we're but i feel like we don't do a lot we say a lot and, you know, everybody has always just said, 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 instead of actions. Now, actions speak louder than words. Actions does not mean physical actions. You know, a lot of people say, okay, we ha- we just have to fight our way through. No, we just have to change how we do things. As soon as we can't, telling somebody, don't do this, don't do that, they're going to do that. Because it's like for you to tell me something you know we're humans that's what we're going to do if you say hey don't touch that we're most likely going to like find a way to touch that or find a way to say this so it's like instead of telling like telling other people don't do this we can spread awareness in what we say and what we do because i see a lot of people just saying stuff saying stuff reposting stuff you know coming up with stuff why don't we go out and get our hands dirty you know why don't we go out and we press these things we make Uh, press conferences we talk because if we are in a little group it's going to become a bigger group if one person is doing this the other person is going to do that You know, instead of raising up money for this or like doing short term things, why don't we go and do a long term thing? Why don't we go and we build something that is going to like impact everything, everybody? Why don't we go and we talk to higher up people about how this affects us and we make a long term thing? Why don't we go and we shake the hand of somebody that's being mean to us or that is saying racist things and we hear, okay, what do you have to say? Why do you say this? And then educate us or educate them. You know, God, he's slow to anger. So why aren't we slow to anger? You know, why can't we just, why can't we just like listen to what they have to say and then respond politely? Because you have to kill them with kindness. Like Selena Gomez said, kill them with kindness. We can't just automatically argue with them. Like by arguing with them, that we're just on the same level as them. We want them to upgrade to our level. So why don't, why can't our level be less just talking, talking, arguing, arguing, and more doing? more showing, more long-term.
0: Yeah, I love that. I, I think, I love everything you said. I, I think that's so great. Like, I, I feel, I honestly feel better about the future of our country with people like you and your generation. I do think your generation um, does care a lot more, but but I think there is a lot of just talking, but I think it's right. gonna, like what you're saying, is doing stuff and stuff that's sustainable, not just like, oh, this is the popular thing to do right now, we're gonna do this, but to actually work to find sustainable solutions and uh, not just try to find a quick fix like that. Um, I really appreciate you taking your time. Is there anything else that you wanted to add that you think, you know, we might've missed or, or that you were, were going to say and didn't get a chance to.
1: No, I think we hit everything pretty well.
0: All right. Any final thoughts, any, any like take home, any something that you want me or, or anyone that might watch this or listen to this um, that you want to make sure that, that this point is remembered.
1: I would say just listen to others. You know, don't just put in your TikTok or Instagram bio, Black Lives Matter, Asian or Stop Asian A. Actually go out and try to take your time to research something and not just research what they're saying on the front page. Read the article. Do your background research of what happened in the past and what happened in different places, and then do something. If you can't do something, Reading it is doing something, you know, like you don't have to repost it, but reading it and educating yourself on every single side that there is, even if you're against the side or for the side, that's just doing something enough. Because if you run across somebody who thinks this side, you know what they're thinking because you read up on their side so you can give them a good side and like just know and have that educated in your brain.
0: Yeah. And actually have the conversations about that and talk about it and read about it. I think that's, you know, we, we, we both said that just talking isn't enough, but sometimes that's a good start. Sometimes just Mm -hmm. reading something, just having the conversations is a great start. So um, I'm going to let you go. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Um, And again, hearing you have these conversations at your age is, is just super impressive. I'm sounding really old again, but, (laughs) but I I just think it's really cool. I am really excited um for for the future for what you're gonna do uh, as a person not, you know not just your generation but what you're gonna do as a person right. i'm excited for your future and and for your present um to even have these thoughts and be able to communicate them very well at 15 years old is really impressive so um, i appreciate it i also want to thank you guys for listening um for for watching for being a part of this conversation um and join me next week for the next episode of mix in america